I'm Andy Bush. Welcome to another episode of Board Game Thing, the weekly board games podcast about the table talk board games create, a celebration of that creative spark, if you like, uh, powered by the lovely people at Zatio Games. I'm joined as ever uh, by Brian and Louise, but in a slightly different situation today. We're not on our little hackney hideout uh, above Drafts, the, the board game cafe there. We're actually doing, it's a bit old school, a bit of a blast from the past this. We're doing a Zoom video recording just because uh, diaries didn't match up and that kind of thing. But Brian and I are getting quite an interesting insight into uh, Louise's, what have you got there? You're like a little little cubby hole. I can see kind of um, literally ins- sponge yeah. soundproofing. <laughs> I'm inside a cupboard, like inside a cupboard with the door open. It's the laundry cupboard. So there's a washing machine, a de- dehumidifier, which is the best purchase of my life. Um, Someone's doing all right for themselves if they've got a, a cupboard just for well, laundry. Well, I, tr- I turned laundry. it into this. I basically, I created this myself. It's got a lot of dirty laundry in it too, so it doesn't smell amazing, I have to I say. I like the idea of getting a dehumidifier. Brian, have you ever been in for a dehumidifier? I kind of like that little machine, a bit like an R2 unit. I like my air humid though. I don't want to take away the humidity. I like it humid. Um, one thing weirdly that's popped up on the, the radio show that I do in the week uh, was the question of whether you wash coats or not. I've never washed a coat in my entire life. And it turns out there's loads, there's loads of people who wash their coat. Do you ever wash a coat? So what I, what I do in spring every year, oh. you're going to think this is so nerdy again, in spring every year I bring my winter coat to the dry cleaners and then it's waiting for me in plastic when winter comes along again. That, that coat is the most expensive thing I've ever bought my whole life. So I treat it like, I don't know, like a child or something. I treat it so well. What are we talking? What are we talking? How much? How much? How much is that? How much? Just what are we talking? What are we talking? I just want to say before I tell you the price of this, right? This coat gets worn every day for four months of the year. Okay. Here we go. Justifying every day, and I've had it for four winters now. Come on now, Louise. How much? I'm not going to give you an exact price, but I'm going to say it was over five hundred. Jesus Christ. Someone's someone's doing right for themselves. I'm going to I'm going to post a picture of it on on board game thing Instagram. Yes. And I'll take do a they wanna, Do they want to see it? Do people want to see it? I, would, I want to see know. this thing again. Just I feel like we're going quick. too far into the weeds here. It's how long? It's like three minutes in. We've not, we've not discussed board games <laughs> once. Bush's board game thing. Uh, let's get to this week's episode then. We, we are um, discussing dexterity or physical games this week. So, yes, uh flicking games, that kind of thing. And these are the games that are probably the original games that go back donkey's years and eons. Can you, can you guys, before we get into the game that we actually played and loved this week, um, can you remember back to when you were at school, what were the flicking and throwing and chucking games back from when you guys were kids? So it's funny you mentioned Sabutio because um, when I did a little bit of research, you know how I like to research before I come on this podcast. Um, uh-huh. um, one of my earliest memories is my... Um, I, feel like, I, feel like, I feel like that was a dig towards me there. Can you just <laughs> clarify if... If or not, if that was a dig towards me. I'm not saying anything. I'm well, just saying, I said what I said. Okay, fine. I said what be I said. Person. Fine, sorry. I'll, I'll step back. I'll step yeah, back. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. So, uh, you know, I, I had cousins who we'd go and visit and every Sunday they'd be playing Sabutio. I was never allowed to play. Can I just say? They were boy cousins and my older brother got to play. I didn't. So I always had a bit of a like, uh, a bit of a hankering for wanting to play Sabutio. Uh, but I'm of the generation where pogs were huge. So when I was in school, pogs were massive. And What the hell's a pog? You don't know what a pog is. I don't think I've ever seen a pog. So it sounds like a creature. They're like round discs where... Didn't they do Fairy Tale of New York? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, to be let's, fair... Let's wrap the podcast up there and end on a high. That's a good joke. Um, I The game, uh, the physical game I remember at school 
uh, obviously a po- not apart from and one that involved dexterity. Um, so you, we're ruling out, you know, football and rugby and all that. Was the game that you used to play on a desk? Yes. At school? Yes. And it never had a name in my school. And it was, you would have three coins, maybe two two pence pieces and a one pence piece or one two pence piece and a, and a one pence piece, whatever, you know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, the idea was you would have them in a triangle to start with. You'd flick it. And it would go into, I would imagine, triangles. And the idea of the game was you always had to be moving for one of the coins forward. Yeah. But it always had to go through the other two coins, if that makes sense. Yes. And, and did it finish in the end? Because um, a guy called Greg has tweeted, we've put this out on Twitter. Um, a guy called Greg has tweeted saying, uh, was was it pitch and toss? Uh, we used to, you had to move, or, or table rugby, uh, another guy called uh, Colin has suggested. And basically you move the coins forward by making them go through each other, like you say. Yes, And the yes, finale, yes, yes. The, the big crescendo was putting the two pence piece between your two thumbs, as if you were going to make like a bird, scary bird symbol, and then flick them, flick the coin in the air and get it through the hands of the other person to the end of the table. Do you recall ah, that? I don't recall that element of it, but I'm imagining there was regional variations across the country. Uh, well, let's go back to Louise. I think we've got breaking news on Pogs. We do. I think you're going to understand this better. It was, um, Pogs were kind of formerly known as milk caps. So you know what milk's... That doesn't help at all. So it was played with flat circular cardboard milk caps. Players made right. a stack of these caps and take turns to drop a heavier slammer object onto it, causing the caps to be flipped and disrupted. And then it came really? along as Pogs. Right. So I'm okay? showing. Are you okay, Louise. Yeah. <laughs> this is a big. This is a big sliding doors moment for Louise. So here's the question: Then is she going mad, or were Pogs a thing at board game thing on Instagram, or you can drop us an email podcast at zatu.co.uk. Um, Ricky Royal, friend of the show, we've had him on the show before. Brilliant uh, board game video YouTuber guy uh, suggests that uh, marbles were the greatest. Um, uh, flicking, throwing game of all time. And in fact, that he they got contraband almost at school where people would like nick each other's marbles and all that kind of thing. Did you guys play marbles? Used to, there was a big phase of, uh, just after the whole yo-yo thing and mini uh, Coca-Cola football uh, phase. Oh, mini Coca-Cola football. Now you're you bringing it all back. Did you yeah, have a- and, the, and the yo-yos as well. Do you remember the yo-yos, Louise? Yo-yos. The Coca-Cola yo-yos? Pogs. Oh, she's still going about the pogs. Right then, well, let's, let's talk about uh, the game uh, that we actually played. We went to the lovely drafts in Waterloo, a brilliant uh, board game cafe to sit there and have a few uh, ales and play some board games with your friends. Uh, we ended up not playing the game that we thought we were going to be playing. We wanted to originally play Clask. We'll talk about that a bit in a minute, but that's kind of a brilliant magnet-based, uh, almost billiard-style board game. But someone was already playing that, so we had to pivot a little bit. We ended up playing uh, a game that was new to all of us called Catch the Moon, which is, uh, according to its description... Uh, you've got to place some ladders skillfully, have a good sense of balance and touch of imagination as well. The moon waits impatiently for your arrival, but she's a sensitive lady and the smallest mistake can make her cry. The right mix of skill and luck will help you become the most agile dreamer. And here's what happened when we played Catch the Moon. Okay, so we've just started Catch the Moon. It's what I like to call uh, hippie, hippie Jenga. It's like a reverse Jenga. You're adding stuff. You've got base and we're adding ladders and we have to build up as high as we can go without it dropping. No, no, hang on. I've got one ladder and it's got to touch two ladders, is that right? Weirdly, yes, that's exactly correct. He's got two ladders though, or one ladder. He rolled two ladders, but now he's holding his ladder. This is like that uh, two Ronnie's full candle sketch. Okay, so I need to touch my ladder off only one other ladder. Oh, she's doing it, she's doing it. 
Oh, clever, clever. And it's only touching one ladder, well done. Nice one. I'm just gonna nonchalantly leave me ladder there. I feel like you stole my move. Oh, it's a tear. Okay, okay, so I've got quite a hard task here. I've got to put my ladder on to be the highest point. I still can't believe Andy is in, it's like an anti-vaxxer, but an anti-planeter, an anti-mooner. I, I don't want to ruin the game, but the moon is a planet. You can see the shape of it, it's a planet. I, you can see the shape of my ass, but it's not a planet. The shape doesn't mean that it's by definition a planet. It's spherical, it rotates. You can see it from the ground when you look up into the sky. It's a planet. A, a wheel is spherical and rotates. It's not a planet. Anyway, listen, we're getting away from it. I've got to touch no more than two. Oh, hold on, he might be onto something here. He's putting a ladder on the left-hand side. The ladder's tilted. No, he's decided to go back again. This would be like in uh, the embassy final in snooker. The other guy's taking ages to take his shot. His competitor sitting in the corner, smoking and fuming. Again, oh, Louis shaking her head. That's not going to work. It's not going to work there. Brian trying a few different angles here. Remember, no more than two. No more than two ladders touching. Yeah, he's done it. And uh, I am the winner. I am the winner. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank uh, Louise for being rubbish at the game. And Andy for also being rubbish at the game. I also feel like you... I don't think it was fair that you blamed the waft of my uh, my hand air. We need a slow motion. We need, uh, we need VAR to catch the moon. I agree. So there you go, that's us playing the very brilliant Catch the Moon uh, physical dexterity board game. Do you know what? I was scared in uh, during this season because I thought I'd lost my winning ways, but I'm back, I'm the champion again. <laughs> I'd just like to say thank you to everybody, thank you to Louise and for Andy for um, just handing oh, me this victory. Uh, my psychological mind games worked yet again. And I've always thought I'm quite, I'm quite dexterous. I've always thought that... If balancing was was an Olympic art, I I could go to the next uh, Olympic Games. I'm really, just a balance expert. I'm so good at balancing. Can I just say a, a game that doesn't look much because it's just a plastic half cloud and <laughs> twenty five wooden ladders that all look a bit bent. It's brilliant. I, I absolutely I loved, it. loved it. Genuinely, one of the games where you, this is the good thing about going to drafts in Waterloo or, or Hackney or wherever. You can go and try a game out, see if your mates like it, and then if they like it, brilliant. You can go and buy it for yourself. Do you know what I mean? But uh, Louise, what do you think have, about it? It was great. Yeah, I mean, I I I'd sort of had a, a vote in for Jenga because I'm used to that. And then when I think Brian came back with it, I was like, oh no, what is this? We, the three of us, Whoa. all got so into it, and uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't believe that. Brian is back on his winning ways. I am um, flash in the pan. Totally I mean, the results flash in the pan. You know, they, they, there, but, you know. obviously we were, we didn't want to get too many tears. He was doling out those tears to you and I, Bush. It was just too much. He was throwing tears at us. Um, just just pivoting off this, we were catching up with each other about what we've been up to, and you you both have. We'll, we'll get to this during the course of the episode. You've both been doing some fairly unusual stuff this week. Louise, tell us about your um, your VR. You had a VR experience. Oh my God, I did virtual reality um for the second time i did it in exactly the same place i went to the van gogh immersive uh, exhibition in shoreditch um which is very very cool very different uh, to just going to say i don't know just a a regular exhibition all the images are not all of them some of the images are moving and it really goes through his 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 storyline of what happened to him and it's really fascinating but at the very end uh you go into this room you put on the vr goggles and it takes you through uh the story of him painting his various masterpieces so the sunflower in the starry night. I had never done VR up until about two months ago and it blew my tiny 
mind. I thought it was just incredible. So you go in and they say, you don't get car sick, do you? Which I do. I was like, no. Uh, and they were like, okay, because if you get car sick, you know, I was like, oh, it'll be grand. Put them on, nearly threw up. <laughs> Not even joking. Nearly threw up into my lap. And, what, and what's the view? Are you, are you Van Gogh? So, or you see Van Gogh's no. Hands? So basically, you are just seeing what he sees. So you're walking through the field of sunflowers that he painted, and he's t- he's narrating why he painted it and what he found so beautiful uh, about it. Is he still alive? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. He's living in Shoreditch. That's why the exhibition's That's there. So can you can you? Because really? I, I thought maybe you can, you can see him painting it. I'd no. like to like tap his hand a bit when he's. You know, like do that. They do that bit where they put that sponge ball and a stick on the painting. I'd just tap that away, and he'd be like, "Please, just let me get on with it." No, that would that would be back. amazing. But this is far more a journey. And when you go in, like when in the first, like I don't know, maybe sixty seconds, you sort of fall off something via VR and you do stumble. You're like, oh my God. And as you look around, you're seeing totally different. You're seeing the entire vista and it's just incredible. Like I ran back to do it about a month later. So I did that again last week, the exact same one. Amazing. And VR is my new thing. If it wasn't so expensive, it'd be great. But it's just amazing, But You've got to do it. Well, there's, Brian and I have been talking about this a little bit. There's, we, we have a group of friends uh, that are all into science fiction. And we've not taken the next stage step into this. I don't know if any of our listeners have done this, but there's a game called, I think it's Star Trek Bridge Captain uh, or Star Wars Bridge, no, Star Trek Bridge Commander. Bridge Commander. Like and what you do, there's this thing called like, there's virtual reality now for PlayStation, or there's the mm-hmm. next level up, which is the Oculus Rift, which is a fantastic name. And you get your own little v- virtual headsets and everything. We've not taken that next step, but I feel it's something that we could do is you all then have a role on the the deck of the Enterprise mm-hmm. in Star Trek via virtual reality doing your own thing. So Brian might be doing the lasers, I might be driving, our mate Adrian might be like down in the engine room or something. We should we should take do, that next step, Brian. Do we have to do but do we have to do does someone have to do like the canteen or the boring <laughs> take out the rubbish or is a cleaner. It all just bridge Right, okay. Here are some other game recommendations along the physical uh, flicking uh, dexterity route. It is very divisive, by the way, uh, these kind of games. Because some people love um, a lot of board gamers love dexterity physical games. Some board gamers think they shouldn't be part of the hobby, weirdly, because people like to be able to plan ahead. So having a shaky hand if you're trying to flick something can kind of wind people up. My, my favorite, phys- two favorite physical games of all time, um, dexterity games, Catacombs, which is a little bit like the um, the 80s arcade game Gauntlet, uh, but you 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 play like the classic heroes of like the the elf archer and the magician all that kind of thing. But you got to flick the discs to to kill the monsters. One of your friends then is the baddie operating all these bad guys, and it's like this you know procedurally generated dungeon. Very hard to get hold of, but a brilliant game. And there's another one that uh, Brian and I have played back in the day called Flick 'Em Up, which is like the wild, a Wild West shootout. Uh, with little wooden characters. Absolutely fantastic. Loads of different versions of it and stuff as well. Uh, other ones you can get from Zatu's website, the uh, aforementioned Clask is great. Ice Cool also very, very good. And Don't Get Got. So check those out. And, you know, got to have an honourable mention for Subutio and good old-fashioned marbles as well. I think it's time for Brian's Board Game Fact of the Week. Brian's Board Game Fact of the Week. Okay then, so time for the fact of the week. You ready? Oh yeah. Let's do it. Cast your minds back to the 2010 Olympics, which were of course, where were they guys? 2020 Winter Olympics, where were they? You, oh. Everyone knows this, obviously, you know, come on. Was it's it only so- 11 years ago. Sochi. No, that was the one after. That was ah. the one after. Obviously it was, uh, it was um, Vancouver. Vancouver. Oh yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Obviously. Obviously, yeah, yeah. And obviously Norwegians are going to be very good at the Winter Olympics. Um, and you know the uh, cross-country skiing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is that I, the one yeah. where it's flat and you don't even get to go down a slope? 
just walk with yes. skis on. So do it with hard. the walk with the skis yeah. on. And I don't think it's the one where you've also got to do a bit of shooting and a bit of running and a bit of um, love that one. Close hand mag- close hand magic or everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just the straight cross country skiing. And uh, Norwegian Bjorn Hilmset. Right, oh, yeah, he, was the favorite. he was the favorite. He was the out and out favorite to win it. Obviously, because he's Norwegian, does a lot of cross country skiing. He's obviously going to be a lot better than say uh, anyone from Belgium or England or whatever. Yeah, he didn't win. It was a massive upset, and he was asked. He was asked afterwards why he didn't win, <laughs> and he said, "Why do? Why didn't you win?" And his answer he gave was, "He said, I think I've been watching too much porn over the last fourteen days." What he actually oh, said that word. officially? Yeah, oh, that's a bit like um. Do you remember when David James wasn't ready for that England game? He yeah. said he'd been up all night playing computer games. A similar kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. He should have just said computer games like David James. Maybe they're both talking about the same thing. Um, and that's my fact of the week. I love that. I'm quite that's into that. That's, that's, that's the, the first fact that I've been like, yeah, okay, now we're talking. Yeah, we know why. We know, we know why. <laughs> um, so thank you for the, the, the fact of the week, Brian. Seeing as this is a physical um, dexterity-based episode. Oh, look at this. What's he doing? Um, I'm going to do something that I've alluded to an, uh, a couple of times before. One second. Bush, can I ask, where I'm, are you actually? I'm up in our office upstairs. We're, we're tidying like crazy because my parents are arriving fairly soon. So I've had to... I, 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 anyone else listening might get with this, but um, I've got board games hidden under every bed and Dude. cupboard and everything in our house. And Katie is infuriated by it. So she'll go to open up like um, where she thinks all our laundry is and there's like board games stuffed in there. So I've had to move it all around. But I'm doing some reorganising. Do you remember I've alluded to before on, on the show um, about I like to get a new board game and then put all the pieces into a hobby box. Anyone listening to this, if you do the so same thing... You're adding another thing. box. Yeah. You're adding another box. Another there's, box. So you have, say, for instance, Monopoly, you get the Monopoly box, then you get all the pieces and put it in a separate plastic box. So you separate so, it from its actual board. My newest board game is probably one of the most complicated board games of all time. It's called Fields of Fire. Um, it's uh, an operational level war game based on cards uh, about the Second World War. And it comes with, I think, 10 sheets of tiny little counters, which you can wow. see here. God. So what I do is I like to pop them out. It's very satisfying, if you can hear that. Oh, and then drop them one by one my. into individual sections of a hobby box. So if I'm playing the game... I've instantly got them there because you can, of course, put them in baggies, but I hate that, you know, putting your fingers in baggies and thinking, oh, is that the right baggie? Have you got a classification system? So what I'm, what I'm saying is if you go to get that game, yeah. will that be next to the box on, on the shelf or will that be in a different place where you keep all the hobby bits? I, I keep all the hobby, much to Katie's annoyance, underneath our beds uh, in a huge bag. I keep all of my plastic <laughs> hobby boxes full of different... Do you, know, do you know what you remind me of? You know those people that... Um, uh, are recovering alcoholics or alcoholics. I'm not making fun of them, obviously, but um, when they say they're on the wagon and then they hide their drinking, yeah, that's what it they is. They hide their problems, and then like their their partner goes to get a, a bowl out of the cupboard or whatever, and they find you know a half bottle of Jameson's. That's like you, but with Sabutio or something. This is what it's like, though, right? This is, and uh, I don't know if people listening, if you're a, a bit of a board game addict like I am, that you get this, get with this. But what I'll do looks around to see if Katie's not listening. I'll order a board game to come to work. Oh. Then I'll break it down into its components, <laughs> get rid of the packaging, put it in my bag, and then sneak it in like that. The worst thing you're that like can happen De- is like for Dexter. it to arrive. Do you, I, I asked do you, I'm like do you lay out plastic on the floor? <laughs> so there's no evidence. Tarpaulin. The worst thing that can happen is a board game to arrive here so that I'm not here to explain it. And I, what I'll get sent on WhatsApp is just a photo of the board game box at the bottom of our stairs, like with, in brackets, another one from Katie. So we need to get it get it delivered to work, break it up. Have you got a hobby that you secretly sneak in at work so you can get it Do you know what you need? Do you know what you need, Andy? You know those people that um, they 
uh, a traveling salesman or whatever, and then yeah. their wives <laughs> wives find out that they've actually had a secret family in Luton. Yes. For like 20, 25 years, you need to have a secret board game house that you just go to, like a stash house. That's what I do it all to. there. Honestly, yeah. I, I, we walk past the seafront flats all the time, and I say, "What I'd love to do if I won the lottery, I'll just have a flat for all my board games, oh. and I'll go and visit it like a couple of times a this week." This is like the most innocent addiction I've ever heard of. I mean, you're sick. You're clearly sick, but it's incredibly innocent. Before we head to the stock exchange and wrap this episode up, Brian, uh, we were talking about tech and stuff like that. Where were you? The Instagram photos that you and your family were up to at the weekend. You looked like you were at somewhere very fancy. Tell us about it. Oh, I was at the National Space Centre in Leicester. I mean, they should Whoa. call it the Leicester Space Centre, but I think they're trying to make it more grand than it is the, the National Space Centre. Very good day out. I can heartily recommend it. What's quite interesting, though, is um, you rock up and it has like a Soyuz capsule in the cafe which is quite good. That's nice. And also, in the cafe, they uh, they serve um, spudniks, like baked potato. <laughs> spudniks, spudniks, whatever. I like that. Um, it's a great museum, uh, but the one thing that's quite interesting is it has a, lots of different floors you go to, whatever. British space race floor, t- more like a mezzanine. <laughs> Nothing Aww. going on there. <laughs> the couple of diagrams and a suit that they invented in the 1930s that it looks like a suit of armour for the moon with a cape. What, what, what is our, it, really. our, our thing with space? Have we been doing any space stuff? Us... United Kingdom? We, we basically, uh, after the Second World War, we had a, had a little crack at it and we were like, <sighs> nah, probably give it a miss to be honest, let the Americans do it. Yeah. And then nothing really until, um, what's the name of that guy? Tim Peake. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Tim Peake. Nice you, guy. You, you, know, you know how the Beatles, they have George Martin and after the Beatles finished... For the next 30 years, anything about the Beatles, he'd pop up and go, yeah. well, of course, you know, me and the Beatles, and of course George was great. And of course, you know, and he's like, that's Tim Peake. Not knocking him, great no, achievement. No, no, no. He's been to space, fantastic. But however, just knock it on the head, mate. Just do something else for a bit, yeah? You're telling Tim Peake to change it up a little bit, is that what you're saying? Just just a little bit, yeah, yeah. Tim Peake, if you want to come back to Brian on this, you know where to find us, at Board Game Thing on Instagram. Right, we're running out of time here, so let's head straight over to Louise's Board Game Back Character Backstory service, where she provides the background detail to a board game character you might not have known about. So today, Bushy, we're talking about Splendor. And the reason we're talking about Splendor is because Zatu, as we all know, are incredibly generous. They sent this game to my house. This was the first board game I'd seen in 20 years. And then when I was trying to explain <laughs> to you and Brian, I was like, what's the name of that game? And you guys were like, what game? I was like, that game. Uh, you know, like, uh, it's got a creepy, sexy guy on the front. And Brian was like, creepy, a sexy creepy, guy. sexy guy. Now, that makes me sound anti-feminist. Creepy, I'm not an anti-feminist. Uh, but he is a bit creepy, and he's also a little bit sexy. Sexy. That's just the way it goes. Saying that, the minute you said creepy, sexy guy, Andy immediately yes. went, yeah, Splendor. Yes. So there is there's something in that. There is there's definitely something, something in, that. in that, Louise. If, 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 you, if you fancy, um, for, for whatever weird reason, you've got the hots for um, a character from a board game, please tell us about it uh, uh, at Board Game Thing on Instagram. Mr. Monopoly. Oh, you're not asking me. Sorry, you're asking me. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a strange picture, isn't it, Louise? He's, he's on the front of the box. And he's looking at a gem, mm-hmm. but it also looks like he's sniffing his fingers a well, bit. He no, so he, no that's to. not fair. He looks like he's having a smell of the gem, you know? He's just, he's innocently having a little sniff, yeah. you know? So, okay, fair let's, enough, fair let's go yeah, into this. I can give you the backstory if you really want to know it, okay? Uh, as we yeah, know by now, he is creepy sexy, whatevs. Uh, he is called Simon Splendor, and he's a gem dealer. Uh, so, oh, yeah. when he was in gem school, let's go way, 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 way back. When he was in gem school, learning about the various gems, we're talking your emerald 
emeralds, opals, pearls, rubies, diamonds, etc, etc. The full works. Well, when he was there, all the other trainee gem dealers made fun of him because oh. guess what? He's colorblind. He can't. I get it. Tell, yeah. I know. He can't tell the How difference. Could you be a gem dealer if you're colorblind. Well, this is it. Because the whole the whole concept of of splendor it's set in the Renaissance. You're a gem dealer trying to get ahead and get special points for special gems. So how's he going to succeed if he can't? Well, if he can't. He's doomed. He's, he's doomed. He's, he's colorblind. Wait, wait till you hear this. Wait till you hear. So this went on for years. Okay, he was always at the bottom of the class because if you can't tell the difference between jade and onyx in a gem collection, then what the hell are you going to do? You know what I mean? Laughing stock. So. If you can't tell the difference between jade and onyx in a gem collection, well, you're going to have to wear the dunce's cap. And you know what? Even in the big pointy cap, still hot. Got to say, still hot. Anyway. You're insatiable. <laughs> what? Come on. Anyway, it all came to a head during the final exams. Simon knew he was going to fail, so he just laid his head on the table in despair. He's colorblind. He can't see. <laughs> and, of course. And closed his eyes. And then he was like, hang on a second. That smells like lapis lazuli. And guess what, you guys? It was. He closed his eyes again and realised he could smell the gems. He smashed that exam and became the world's best gem identifier because he could smell them and not see them. So he doesn't even need one of those weird eye thing jewellers. You know those little monocles that jewellers have? Yeah, they they cost a lot of money as well. Didn't he? He doesn't need one of them, and he's still an absolute ride. So the reason that, and that's why smelling his fingers. Um, he's not. Can I just on? say he's not smelling his fingers? He's smelling a gem. No, he's, he's definitely smelling his fingers because he's 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 um he's, he's fingered a gem. I mean, he's looked at it with his, mm-hmm. you know he's, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. handled oh, the gem. Oh, there's residue on a it. Ruby. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's going. Oh yeah, that's a ruby. All right, <laughs> that's a that's a jade. That is. Oh, is that? Do- right. No, that's that's a Savowski, Savorsky, whatever it is. That's not real. Well, you know all them. Yeah. Um. Okay. How do you? Sorry, how do you smell a gem, Louise? I don't think you can smell a gem. What What would a ruby smell like, for instance? Cherries, obviously. True. Yeah. What would a What would a diamond smell like? Water. <laughs> right. This Water. is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Sorry. Yeah. Of course. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So look, thank you for that, Louise. That is fantastic. I didn't know that about him, mm-hmm. uh, Simon. I'll call him Simon from now on. It's kind of a cool, groovy, modern name as well. There's me thinking he'd be called like uh, Balthazar or something, but he's just called Simon. He's called Simon, and I no longer just have to call him, you know, creepy, sexy guy. It's good. I feel like we've got some clarity there. Uh, th- this is the end of the episode. Uh, we've run out of time. It, this has flown by. Uh, get the games we've been talking about on Zatu's website right now. Uh, lots of love for that one about trying to get the clouds and the moon, which we can never remember. Clask is fantastic as well. Uh, and drop, you know, get in touch. Tell us about, do you remember Pogs? Uh, do you ever, have you got, got a crush on a board game character? All these things, you can find us at Board Game Think or drop us an email, podcast at zatu.co.uk. Uh, Brian and Louise say goodbye. Bye. So I'm just sniffing. just sniffing my wedding ring. Oh I'm getting nothing, nothing. We will see you next week. This has been Bush's board game thing with Zatu Games. Mm-hmm.